This is Beetle, and you're listening to the Night Party Podcast. I hope you enjoy it, because I don't. That's right. Welcome to another edition of the Night Party Podcast, where we leave it all on the cutting room floor. I'm, of course, your illustrious host, Zach Evergreen. Today, we're going to be uh, talking about the making of a really good movie and some of our favorite moments of it. But real first, uh, real quick, I got to throw out my advertisements. All right, here we go. First off, if you're not a part of the party, join patreon.com slash nightpartypod. I am got probably at least two or three per month Working on four of special episodes just on the Patreon. Now, remember, it's only a dollar. And when we finally do have some ads, like the ones you're about to hear, you can skip through them. But this ad is fun. Capson Cork. Capson Cork on the border of American Canyon and Vallejo, California. For your adult premium beverages. I'm not talking about Bud or Coors Light. Even There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm talking about micro-brews, hard-to-find wines, hard-to-find whiskeys. Go to Capson Cork and tell them that the Knife Party sent you. Anyway, so today I have one of my favorite guests and now my part-time co-host, but but wait wait for it, okay? Wait for it. All right, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? All righty. So now you have your own entry music. I, I get my rip-off type of negative and you get... Glorious! <laughs> you like that? That's pretty awesome. Thank you. Antonius Montana, everybody. No, that's not sticking. That's not sticking? <laughs> no, no. I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, uh, welcome back to the show. Um, it seems like you get all the good episodes. I think that's just your rotation works out that way, but maybe you've planned this. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've planned it a little bit, but, you know, the fates are in my favor. So. Yes, they are. Plus, um... I mean, we, you know, we do have a lot of good guests on here, but uh, I don't know. I think it's because your contagious laugh, and also we don't sound alike where a lot of my guests, actually. And I think it might be, now we got some new mics in, but I think the uh, mic quality could have uh, affected that a little bit. Oh, that could have been a little bit, yeah. So just so you, those who don't know, I just dumped a lot of equipment into this because um, we we lost about five hours worth of, worth of memory, including two episodes. Um, and the intro, hence the new type of negative intro, which I hope you enjoy. Uh, shout out to you, Pot is killing me. Um, but yeah, anyway, enough of you, Bobby Rude. So let's talk about this movie. But first, let's hear the trailer for it, shall we? Oh, yes, please. Let's do it. God, I love this trailer. The music. <laughs> In the dark of the night, something strange is going on. You see that movie, Night of the Living Dead? Sure. They ship those bodies. Well, say hello. The dead. Listen from the grave. Mister, there's a hundred of those things out there. How many did you say? A hundred? 
And now the question is, how do we get them back into the ground? Because technically, you're not alive. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. How do you kill something that's already dead? Well, how do I know, Fred? I don't know. Let me think. It's not a bad question, Bert. In that movie, they destroyed the brain to kill him. Is that what they did? The brains, right. Brains. Military is nervous. Usual crap. The police are confused. Send more cops. It worked in the movie. Well, it ain't working now. In the movie line. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. The return of the living dead. So who did that song? Was that Rat or Warrant? Uh, I feel like it might have been Rat. I think so, too, because it sounds like a rat. And Rat actually didn't suck. I mean, they're way better than Poison. I would agree with that, yes. Poison are terrible. <laughs> Like, Rat came at the end of that hair metal scene, but out of all of them, I think they kicked the most ass, you know, except for the crew. I mean, I mean, there's the staples, of course, but out of the bands that only had like a, a couple of known tracks, yeah, sort of thing, like Rat was definitely one of the top dogs for sure. I'm just saying that out of all hair metal, though, Talk Dirty to Me is the worst song by far. <laughs> it's gotta be right. It's like. Dude, Bon Jovi is more manly than you are. Ooh. Oh, what, shots fired? White Snake is more manly. Yeah, White Snake is. <laughs> <laughs> what about Winger? Uh, well, I mean, it's all in the name. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> Do you remember in Beavis and Butthead when they would wear ACDC and Metallica and then their friend Stuart like, had a Winger shirt? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's an endorsement or or what, but either way. So, um, let's talk the movie, shall we? All right. So, this movie came out in 1985. I believe it was April 16th, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So, I recorded this movie twice already by myself. And mm. I lost it. And the first one, I just didn't think was good enough. So, yeah. And I kind of wanted to have somebody on this, too, because I didn't want to just monologue this guy, because there's so much fun stuff to talk about. Okay. First off. Out of every zombie movie, and I believe this includes Night of the Living Dead, it has the best Rotten Tomato score. Okay. 91%. Really? Siskel and Ebert gave it thumbs up. Yeah. Which is funny because, dude, how did Ebert give The Thing 
thumbs down and this thumbs up. That's he must have been like sick that day or something. Yeah, perhaps. Well, I, I know this too. This came out um, when this movie came out. There was like nothing in the box office to see. It was it was just like one of those. Oh, okay. It was like a, a dead month or a dead weekend or whatever. Because I saw the movies it was going against, and I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> like that's what that's what that's what we got. Like I haven't even heard of these movies. Um. Anyway, so 91% Rotten Tomatoes. I, I'm going to straight up say this is my favorite zombie movie Okay, by far. I'm giving it a, a, a dead ha-ha-ha. <laughs> See what I did there? I'm going <laughs> to give it a 95. Wow. Okay. Here's why. The movie knows what it wants to be. It's funny. It's campy. It's 80s cheese. The set pieces are amazing. Now, there's not too many of them, but there's enough to keep you going. You know, right, you're not right. just bored. Um, the effects are fantastic. Uh, they were actually surprisingly good mm-hmm. for like a, a technically like a, a B movie, like a B yeah. plus movie, you know? Yeah, exactly. And um, but this movie was a financial success. So everyone goes, Oh, that's such a good cult movie. This was never a cult movie. Ever. I it mean, is now. It, I guess. <laughs> but I mean it was oh it it made a lot of money. We'll get into that in a minute. Um so this was written and directed by uh Dan O'Brien uh, Dan O'Bannon. Okay. He's the one who wrote Alien. Oh. Yeah. Okay. When it was called Star Beast. That was his original one. So yeah. he actually wrote that. And uh, uh, so that's what he's most famous for. But he did a lot of other stuff as well. Um, but originally, this was this got passed around to a bunch of different directors. All right. Let me name a couple. Toby Hooper. Okay. Text Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Now, a lot of people were... Oh, he also wrote, uh, Dan O'Bannon wrote Life Force. I don't know if you've ever seen that. about. No. This. Oh, it's about space vampires. Dude, it's good. Oh, cool. Okay. And the main and the main villain in it, dude, she walks around naked half the time. That seems to be his thing. Uh, and also, she's, <laughs> okay, I, you see a pattern. <laughs> I do, too. Uh, but Toby Hooper um, directed that, even though Dan O'Bannon wrote it. Okay. So they were kind of like, I guess, a team, or yeah. at least the producer uh, liked them both anyway. Um, and the producer was Tom Fox. Which I've, I don't know if he's done a lot of other stuff, but apparently he produced this. He produced Life Force, and I think he produced something else. No, nothing really like as big as this movie, though. Okay. I mean, or financially okay. successful because Life Force tanked. But yeah, the chick had blue eyes and like brunette, and she's like perfect 34, uh, 24, 36. <laughs> yeah, and like Jesus Christ, like see the movie just for her. I mean, it's almost whackable. I mean, it's really good. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, she, I mean, the movie's really good. But yeah, you know exactly what I mean. There's some distracting parts. Let's just put it that way. Well, Freudian slip there. Okay. But also, um, the movie Species um, was kind of based off Life Force. Ah, that makes kind of, sense. It, okay. It was like a re- retreat of it in a way, even though they'll never admit to it. We should do that one at some point. Species. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie since it came out, dude. Oh, dude. Does yeah. it hold up? It does. It does. It does surprisingly. Okay, yes. so I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to relook in that. That's not a bad idea whatsoever. Um, so anyway, uh, also George A. Romero, they wanted him on board. Okay. And uh, George A. Romero just straight up snubbed. He was pissed. He was like, "You're writing a sequel to my movie? <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. And uh, fuck off." And he was really really pissed off about it to the point where he didn't even give him a call back. Oh wow! He just gave him the Irish goodbye. Like I'm not even entertaining this idea, <laughs> you know. Which bad on him because the same year 
he did his uh, he finished his series with Dawn of the Dead. Right. And that got panned. And if you think about it, Dawn of the Dead is a pretty good movie. It is. But it's not this. Well, it was it was supposed to be a lot more serious and more of a commentary of right. society commentary and all that good stuff. And I don't mind that, but I mean George A. Romero like after that started just doing ridiculous hilarious movies. Like yeah. the remakes that he had a a hand in all of them were very uh, campy after that, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he, he might have like learned his, his lesson, lesson yeah, cuz the remake of Day of the Dead, which is almost better than the original, uh, all, yeah. almost with Vic yeah. Rames, that that movie's dope, especially like I love the story with the the guy with the sign across at the ammo store. Oh yeah, well that was the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Oh, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. my bad, my bad. Uh that's what I meant. But um yeah, that that movie was killer. Uh, out of all of his movies, even though he's only attached to that one, mm-hmm. actually I like that a lot better. Like I used to be a huge Romero fan and just the older I get and like I think I was just into him because it was different. And now there's so many zombie movies right, and TV shows right. like inundated with just zombie crap especially in the um uh, uh, like uh, teens of 2000, you know, like mm-hmm. from like 2008 to about 2016, everything in his mother was like a zombie related. Yeah, it it definitely got overplayed for yeah. sure. Like they even had like romantic comedies, like warm bodies and stuff like that. Right? <laughs> no, for real though, they did, you know. And uh, but that I was zombie was pretty good though. Which one? I zombie. I zombie. I did. That's the chick. She's like the mortician. Uh huh. And ends up becoming a zombie and everything. It's it's pretty good. Okay. Well, um, so it was it in that kind of time frame? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm definitely gonna have to check it out though, because um, I that doesn't sound familiar to me, but that doesn't mean I haven't seen it. I would have to like see the. Uh, God, it sounds so familiar though. I zombie. Anyway, that doesn't. Anyways. Matter. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Toby Huber d- turned it down. Romero didn't even bother to answer the phone. And um, anyway, the cemetery set in this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, notice how the punkers are kind of like, ooh, ah, that's because they never saw that set. Oh, that's cool. The okay. first time walking in that graveyard, they're like, God damn, it's way bigger and it looks so good and natural and stuff, right? Yeah, well, it, the reason why is because they actually took a lot of time building that set. We're like, like, you know, um, uh, Yuana or Unita. Yeah, Unita, the... Uh, uh, the warehouse scenes? Yeah. Like, that was already a complete, you know, that, that they just rented a warehouse, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, like, the crematorium and stuff like that. Right, that, yeah, right. But, that was, like, an actual one? Yeah, okay. exactly. And I think the only one that wasn't was the church chapel, but I'm not 100% on that. I mm-hmm. couldn't... I found out there's uh, there's even, like, a the I bought the Blu-ray of this. There's a really cool watch-along with it. Uh, um, like a documentary, like kind of like a behind the scenes. Yeah, it's about an hour like long. Commentary yeah, and, and, it, and it's really cool. And it came out in like the early 2000s. So a lot of the people in this movie are no longer with us. Like, right. Yeah, like for instance, Ernie, um, is it? Oh, yeah, here goes another thing. Dude, here goes the names of the main characters. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. You got Frankie. Yo. Freddie. Yo. Bert and Ernie. <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever notice that? Somebody was definitely smoking and watching Sesame Street. Well, here goes the other thing. The guy that played Tarman was a Muppeteer. Oh, that's cool. So okay. he, that might have something to do with it. And then right after this, I guess Jim Henson was impressed because he worked on all the Muppet movies after this. 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So, and and the reason why Tarman is so goddamn scary is because it doesn't move like a human because it's not. Yeah. It's, now there was a guy in the suit, but he they also had some of the appendages attached to like you know puppet strings and stuff. So, like, for instance, when he gets his head knocked off, right, that's right. that's a Muppet. Yeah, yeah. But, like, when he gets the paint can thrown at him and goes, brains, more brains, you know, that's obviously a person. But um, all the facial stuff, too, was all done with, like, Jim Henson-esque technology. Yeah, where, yeah. Where, like, each part of the face was, like, a robot piece. And so when the dude was even acting with that stuff on, the Muppeteer was sitting there with the controller. Oh, okay, yeah, like uh, Ninja Turtles. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same idea, same idea. And uh, uh, for what this movie's budget was, it's pretty good. Anyway, uh, so this movie was going to cash in on the whole 3D sensation. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jaws 3D and uh, uh, the Jason, Jason 3D. 3D. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. But they noticed how it was tanking, like that that little subgenre. Like it wasn't just working out. Like by the end of the 70s, not, they didn't really work too well anyway, and it costs more to film. Right. So they're like, "Fuck it, let's let's save the budget for you know this movie rather than just this film." And you know, also too, this was in the digital era. Like a lot of people forget that when you record on your phone, right? You could just press stop and then press record again. Right. Back then, you couldn't do that. That film, like, okay, you just burnt through it. Yeah. You know, so, and then you had to reload the reels. They got hot, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're dealing with celluloid, that's 3D celluloid. That's that's no good, <laughs> right? So, I mean, you would burn through that real quick. Um, let's see. What else do I got? Oh, yeah. If the extras were willing to eat brains, they got like a bonus. real brains? Calf brains. They, oh. All the brains in the movie, the extras that actually wanted to get screen time and not just be in the background, right. had to eat brains. But they got a pay bump. Now, when people are freaked out about it, um, uh, O'Bannon just picks up a piece of brains in, in front of it. He goes, everybody gather around. And he just took a big chunk of calf brain and just ate it. Oh. And he goes, all right, if I could do it. You could do it, and I'm paying you. Yeah. So, so, you know, if you don't want to eat them, cool. But guess what? You're going to be in the background. You're only going to get an extra check. Yeah, okay. But if you wanted to be that guy that, like, you, you know, like one of the, the zombies that you see, like, center screen, then, mm-hmm. yeah, you one you had, had to, to eat, eat brains. It. Okay. Yeah. With the exception of Tar Man, because, you know, there was too much going on. <laughs> um. So, yeah, calf brains. I think they were boiled. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe with some nutmeg, some allspice. Yeah, probably. So let's see. <laughs> oh, Dan O'Bannon actually wrote uh, Freddy for, or sorry, not Freddy, uh, Frank, you know, the boss. Right, right. He wrote it actually for himself in mind until that actor came in and just like, wow, you know, just okay. wow the shit out of everybody. So that's when uh, uh, he's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna step back and just be behind the camera, which I think is actually really cool. Very much so. So our characters as follows, right? You have uh, Frankie, right? And Frankie is our. Uh, he's he's the old, the the, he's the manager of this, of this. Well, no, because that's Frank, isn't it? And then yeah. Frankie. No, there's Frankie and Freddie. Freddie. Okay. So. Uh, uh, well, because Bert calls him Frankie, even though his name is Frank, but so I just started calling him Frankie and Freddie. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Freddie is, um, like this young punker dude. And, uh, uh, then you have, but he's, 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 
this is his first day on the job at this right. place called Unita, and it's a medical supply thing, right? And then you have uh, Frankie, who's like the old manager. He's been there forever. And then you have Bert. Bert's the owner. And then yeah. then you have uh, um, the, the crematorium guy, the undertaker, who's Ernie. And uh, Ernie is my favorite character in this movie. Really? Okay. Well, think about it. First off, did you notice he's left-handed? Okay. I, why do I always pick up on that? <laughs> but yeah, he's he dude. He smokes a pipe while doing his Undertaker work with a gun on him at all times. Yeah, he always has the gun. It's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, no, it, it kind of makes sense. Think about this: if you're an Undertaker, you're probably working long hours. You're probably working at nights night alone. Yeah. Lo- exactly. And this takes place in. Ooh, does it take place in LA or is it East Coast? No, yeah, it was like because they switch back to Pacific Standard Time and everything and else. Eastern Time, yeah. yeah. So I think it is an Eastern Time, but in the beginning, it kind of is confusing because you see that Colonel in the beginning, right, right, and, and like his wife's like, "How was work?" and he goes, "Sucked," or or whatever, and she goes, <laughs> "She goes, I made pork chops," and he goes, "I had pork chops for lunch." Yeah, <laughs> like you ass, and his job is so easy anyway. Um, let's see who else we got. We have our punkers. Mm-hmm. And each one is a stereotype punker, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So you have Suicide, who is the Misfits punker. They, he even listens to Misfits um, in this movie. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, Trash, who is the goth chick punker girl. And she's like, I just death and sex just hand in hand and man, <laughs> you know. And then you have your nerdy punker. I didn't even bother to write down his name. You have Tina, who is Freddie's girlfriend. And Tina is just like, all she does is almost a scream throughout the whole movie. Yeah, she's kind of like the the goody-goody girl. You're yeah. kind of wondering, like, why are you hanging out with these people? Exactly. Well, obviously, she, you know, she's probably just hanging out with them because, you know, Freddie is, is friends with them. And Freddie is kind of, even though he's a punker, he, like, wants to work and have a job. Right. So maybe he's kind of getting out of the punker phase thing. And then my favorite character, Spider. Now, normally in a, mo- uh, in a, in a zombie movie, you have a magical black man. This one has a magical black punker. <laughs> Spider is the coolest dude. You 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 know the poodle hair and just like he's 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 out of everybody. He's probably this out of all the punkers anyway. He's probably the smartest out of all of them. Well, I I'm pretty sure he lasts the longest. So. He does. Yeah. Um. I mean, none of them make it out, but he actually lives to see the very end. Right. You know. Um. And uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh. Then we have who else. The, there's the two, one chick in the blue dress. Yeah, and then there's also the guy with the uh, that doesn't have any lines who gets bit by the uh, oh the, thing on the yeah yeah, yeah uh, with a girl that's cut in half. Mm-hmm. Okay, some other fun facts. Trioxin two four five. Okay. Real thing. What is it though? So remember he was saying uh, uh, in the movie that they sprayed it on marijuana to right. keep it from growing. So in real life, they uh, during Vietnam. They use trioxin two four five, but it's like trioxaduca. You know, it's like a longer name. Right. Um, it has a little uh, nickname by the name of Agent Orange. Oh, okay. Yes. So this is based on it because Agent Orange, what it did is they would spray it over the jungles. Yeah. To, and it would make the tree, the leaves die. So yeah. you could actually see, see them be a calm. But it did some other things. Now, if you got directly sprayed with this shit. 
you would like get cancer and die very, very quickly. Right. But say you walked into it and just breathed it in a little bit, or or you came like later, like uh, not even later that day, but say like later that week. Okay. And you were to breathe it in, you would start having nerve damage. Oh. To the point where when you see people exposed to it, they walk like zombies. Okay. Because they're all like, you know, they're all rigid and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, so I, I think that's what this had to do with it. Now, in Night of the Living Dead, they never say what causes it. No. But in this movie, they do. Exactly. And they even acknowledge the fact that this is a movie within a movie, which is kind of weird. Because they say Night of the Living Dead happened, and in the beginning of this movie, he goes, this is based on a true story. Right, right. You know, I mean... I even have it written down here. Uh, at the very beginning of this movie, it straight up says, the events portrayed in this film are all true. The names are all real names of real people and real organizations. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know right away what you're getting into with this cheeky movie. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, um, I don't know if there was any, like, O'Bannon had any military experience or whatever, or what would make him think to make a chemical. But I really do think it's brilliant that instead of not explaining it, you have it where, oh no, this gas will turn you into a zombie, but if you're already dead, then it will it will reanimate, reanimate you. you. Yeah. yeah. And the other cool thing about this movie is the, you know, this is the first ever movie where the zombies eat brains. Yes. This is the first ever movie where zombies are smart and have problem-solving intelligence. Uh, yeah, like yeah, they can talk. They yes. can Yeah. Yeah. They they lure in other cops and paramedics. You know, they uh, uh, Tarman w uses a winch to try to get Tina out of the closet. Which that the first time I saw it was totally unexpected. Right, and the way he moved made it really creepy. <laughs> um. So yeah, and uh, first ever movie where they have brains. First ever movie that, and then. They even mention in Night of the Living Dead how you have to destroy or remove the head or brain. Right. This doesn't play that way. No. No. So it, you you could dismember it, and it will still... Like, each body part is still alive. Exactly. Which totally makes sense in a way. Mm -hmm. um, because if it's just talking about reanimated tissue, well, I mean, the brain's dead anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. you know? And um, they even have a really cool scene where... Uh, where when Frankie and Freddie are, are like dying and they're they're checking on them, they're like, well, your body's at 72 degrees, which is room temperature. You have no pulse. Uh, you have no, um, you know, uh, uh, what reflexes. Yeah. But yet here you are. And they're like, so you're dead. And they're like, what do you mean you're dead? Well, it's, well you're obviously not dead. You're conscious. So I kind of just really like, too, where you get to see, because this is the first ever movie besides Dawn of the Dead, I believe, where we get to see something change. Because remember in Dawn of the Dead, you one of the dudes gets bit, and you see him change. Kind you of see slow. the transformation, yeah. But this movie, you see it moment by moment. Which it's, I, it's definitely a lot slower than other zombie movies, for sure. And the cool thing, too, is they're more cognizant and they're less evil because they're not dead when they get sprayed. Right. So it kind of is like slower because it's shutting down their, their vitals before reanimating them. Right. Which I thought was really cool, too. Um, so yeah, I, uh, let's talk about a little bit about this movie personally. Um, when did you first see this movie? Uh, I think when I first saw it, I was in like elementary school when I was like eight or nine years old. Yeah. I mean, this came out when I was just a young and, and I think it came out like right before you were born. Um, right. Yeah. But, uh, I love this song. So. It actually takes place 
uh, like the first scene or whatever, they give you the date. Mm-hmm. It's like a year before I was born. Almost to the day? Almost it's oh, wow. On the day, just oh, a wow. year before I was born. Cool. So you share a birthday with this movie? I do. That's pretty badass. <laughs> that is really badass. The only cool thing I share on my birthday is the Lumpy Gravy, We're Only It For The Money, Frank Zappa album, and sadly, the death of Gary Gygax, i.e. the creator of Dungeons & Dragons, and also the death of uh, John Candy. Ah. Nothing cool ever came out on my birthday. No, we just, you got nothing. Yeah, I'm nothing. <laughs> nothing. I mean, a Frank Zapp album is pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, but you I'm not mad away, 500. You took away John Candy. <laughs> oh, I'm more actually sad about Gary Gygax, but to each his own. <laughs> So um, anyway, uh, uh, what did you think of it? Did it scare the shit out of you? No, I thought it was goofy. Really? When I was younger, yeah. So probably because you've seen a lot more horror movies at the time. And oh, it, 100%. Yeah. Because yeah. I did too. Um, obviously, like I grew up with horror movies, but this is kind of the first time I got, I remember my mom, we got like a trial. So back in the day, for those too young to remember, before streaming services, once in a while, your cable company would give you like a free trial of Showtime or Cinemax or HBO, and you got to actually see kind of like what they offered. Right. It was kind of cool because it was like 30 days instead of yeah. like the lame seven-day free trials we get now. Yeah, yeah. No, it was like 30 days. You're about right, yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, I remember, I think it was, this was Cinemax. No, it wasn't because they would have been showing porn. But... um <laughs> This was in like October because I remember it was kind of beginning of the school year and they had tons of Friday the 13th going on. They had this movie. They had a bunch of scary movies. And I remember uh, me and my mom sat there and like watched a bunch of them. And uh, I remember like the, you know, the the Friday the 13th kind of scared me because even though I loved horror movies, I wasn't really into slasher. I was more into monster movies. Okay. You know, because like Jaws, Predator, Alien, those are all monster movies. Monster movies, yeah. But a slasher is kind of a little scarier because it's a, a man form. Yeah. And I remember being a little creeped out when I saw like Jason Goes to Hell, I'll watch it now, and I'm like, how did I even get scared about this? <laughs> I, I think it was because like with the part where that black doctor dude eats the heart freaked me out a lot. Mm. But this movie scared the shit out of me. I saw it when I was 11 years old. Really? Dude, this movie got to me. And then ever since then, zombies always scared me. Wow. They did. And and I think it was this movie's fault. Not to mention about a year and a half later, a little game called Resident Evil came out. Yeah. And that scared the shit out of me, too. Because that game is, like, to today's standards, yeah, the graphics suck or whatnot, but... Put yourself in 1995 or 1996. Those graphics were amazing. Like, his PlayStation just came out. We're all used to Super Nintendo. And when you see that fucking zombie, that first one, turn around and look at you, you're like, oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a zero-win situation at that point. Well, and, like, this movie, too, was the first one with, like, fast-moving zombies. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And they're not like 28 days later where they're full clip after you, but they might as well be. Yeah, it's still like normal, like human speed, like kind of sprinting or running or whatever. They're not like crazy super fast, but still like to, to go from sluggish, can't barely push move. Push them over, yeah. Yeah, just push them over, weave through them, whatever. Yeah. To, to them actually being able to run at you and think about like cutting you off so you can't get to something. Yeah, because like, they, yeah, they had like hunter intelligence, like when the cops come. And, like, there's one zombie, like, flagging the cop down, and he's wearing yeah, a cop yeah. And then they all come from the sides and just rush and do the uh, double flanking pincer maneuver. Right. And it's like, Romero zombies wouldn't do that. No. 
They would just be, oh, and you could like drive right through them. <laughs> also, I think the fact that they scream instead of just go, oh, is a lot scarier too. Yeah. Because they like straight up scream and shit. Oh, like, they're and yelling creepy. at you. Yeah. yeah. So they're pretty cognizant. They have like problem solving intelligence. They fucking talk to you when they're about to eat you. Way scarier, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and just a simple fact where, you know, you can cut off its head and the body will still come at you, but the head is looking at you like all creepy. Is just that's a, <laughs> that's another thing that's just like, oh, I didn't expect that shit. You know? Yeah, not at all. So um, yeah, I really do like this movie. It did scare the shit out of me to this day. Now, movies don't really like scare me, scare me, but I can remember where I was at and how much it scared me. This is probably number one. Number okay. two, maybe being The Ring. And member, number three, probably being hostile, just because, like, my, I just remember it wasn't necessarily the, it was the, the, when he tries to escape, you know, that scared the crap out of me just because it was like, oh shit, oh shit, you know, it was just like, suspenseful. is he going to make it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, you know, like, I felt like I was right behind him or with him, so. But I, I would definitely put this in the top scariest movies of all time, at least for me. For you? Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've always been terrified of cannibalism anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, like, not that Chainsaw Massacre really scares me. It's kind of more like an, to me, that movie's kind of artsy. Interesting. Okay. Well, like all the set pieces and stuff, they're yeah, all, yeah. it's all grim, but it's all very, like, purposeful and artistic. Right. You know, like how they made, and apparently that was the stinkiest set ever because it was like 120 degree weather with humidity hey. and all that meat was real. She, yeah, because they all got it from a butcher. Yeah. And they said it just stunk. Um, not as bad as the stuff, though, with the scene with the fish. I don't know if you heard that episode. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that was uh, pretty gnarly. Cool. Well, I don't know. Do you got anything else about this before we just jump right into it? No, no, I'm ready to jump right into it. Cool. All right. Well, stay tuned for the next episode. Obviously, Antonius, you'll be here. Heck yeah, I will. All right. Well, we'll see you in the flip side. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I need to forget to forgot to turn some videotapes. <laughs> I'll be right back.